Welcome, friends, to We Are Miracosta. I'm really pumped to be joined by a new friend today, Arti Dua from Counseling. And I, I'm normally I have long relationships with some folks I'm bringing onto this. We've we've just met, and I think this is a powerful chance for for a learning experience for me uh, and for our students as well. So I'm really pumped to learn about you as a person and talk with you. Welcome in. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, I have to say, I love your energy. It's uh, It's been fun getting to know you. So thank you for having me. Awesome. So we'll, we'll just jump in here. And I think our our pathways at Miracosta are always one of my favorite things to, to reflect on because we all have shockingly similar paths. So there's, there's a few, I think there's a few common threads that many of us experience. So I just want to know a little bit about your educational journey, your professional journey. How'd you get here? Well, I started at a community college. So uh, my parents migrated from India. I was born in India. And uh, when I graduated from high school, my dad wanted me to have an arranged marriage. And my mom said, oh, no, no, she's going to college, which I was not planning at that point. And then I looked at my dad and he says, well, you're getting married. And I said, I'm going to college. And so (laughs) I went and enrolled at the community college. And I wasn't really vested into it because, again, I was escaping, not necessarily there proactively, right? So mm-hmm. my experience with a counselor was, you know, what are your interests? And I said, well, I think I like psychology. And they said, are you going to get a master's degree? And I said, absolutely not. And she says, okay. And then they said, well, what else are you interested in, right? And I said, well, English, I think I'm a pretty good writer. What well, do you want to teach? Absolutely not. And I said, she says, okay, well, you have to figure this out. And at the time you can, you didn't have to declare your major on the application. So I ended up at San Diego State and I'm in a line and I was going in the English line at that point to, you know, go declare that as my major. And I started talking to somebody in line and she says, English, why don't you become a communication major? That's what I'm going to do. And that sounds fun. And I said, okay. And that's how I declared my major is communication. And, you know, it was an interesting experience being a transfer student. You are in a hurry, right? Junior, senior, and you're out and I'm out working. And it was never really about the career. It was more so let me get out there and make some money. I finally, you know, avoided that arranged marriage. And so now it's time to to start living. And I ended up in sales. So it was just kind of one of those things. I got the degree, I started working and um, my company ended up laying us all off in the end. And if I stayed to the end, they gave us a lot of money. So I said, absolutely, I'll stay at the end. And at that point, I said, what am I going to do with this? And I decided I wanted to travel. So I put all my stuff in storage and I took off for six months by myself and I went around the world. And and I was very money motivated at that stage. But when I came back, the one thing I realized is there were a lot of happy people living in villages and they didn't have a lot of things. And it's just had me reevaluate my life. And so I went back to San Diego State. I spoke to one of their advisors and I said, I'm thinking about doing graduate work. And she looked at my transcript and said, your grades aren't strong enough. You have no business being in education. And I went, okay, then. And so I walked away and I kept working and doing what I was doing, but I kept thinking there's got to be a way, right? But, it, but I was so discouraged. And I woke up one day, probably three years after that initial meeting, and I said, no one is ever going to talk to me that way again. I have my master's degree and I teach. And, you know, and one of the things for me is, and I didn't even at the time, I wanted to be a high school counselor. So I didn't even think about community colleges But once you finally figure out, oh, now I have a pathway, I know there's something out there that I want, I became so much more motivated and I was uh, very willing to explore. And um, 
I accidentally discovered Miracosta in this process. And I, I think I worked probably three jobs for probably about 10 years trying to get into Miracosta. I was a high school counselor, a middle school counselor. And, but what I had done is when I first walked into the onto the campus, I realized this is where I belong. And it was 10 years. I was an associate faculty for a long time because of course I had no experience in any of this because it was a later in life decision. Um, and I'm very grateful to be here. I do love what I do. And I tell my students that is my goal for them, whatever their passion is. I hope that I can help them discover that because it is a lot of fun. Wow. So many good things in there. I mean, so a couple of <laughs> points that I'm thinking of. First, I love that you you highlighted the, the kind of late later in life change that like our careers are not final. Um, I think that's something there's certain ones like I think once we're where we are, maybe sometimes that like 10 yes. years locked in career, that's pretty final. Uh, if you want and to, I'm be. good with that. <laughs> yes. Me too. <laughs> me too. Thank God. But, but also like, it's, a, it's, a, I think that pressure that you're discussing in, in, um, in previous talks about counseling and that pressure that you felt like you got to figure this out. People told you that along the way, like you got to know, like it, you must know what you're going to do. And it feels like this ultimate thing. And you know, knowing what you want to do is good, but it's not what you have to do the, your whole life always. Like there's right. plenty of chances for you to make a move, to shift. I think, was that something that was like, I mean, you, you were going from a situation where you were making good money and you felt oh, yeah. you were, you were doing well, you were, and just thinking communications, you're maybe like, what kind of field were you in? Like, what kind of work were you doing? I was doing sales. I did startups for a while, you know, after traveling, I ended up in London. I was in, in Sydney, I, I stayed for months on end doing with these startup companies. And, you know, I loved it. I made great money, but that travel bug was there. The whole, everything was there. There just seemed like there was more than the money piece of it to me. Yeah. And that was the part that kept throwing me off because it was like, okay, if, if there's more to money out there, then what is it exactly? And what I realized, and I was selling insurance at one point, And what I realized at that time was I really enjoyed helping people. And that was kind of a common theme with everything that I was doing. And when I realized I wanted to get my master's and had the courage to go back, I all of a sudden realized how grateful I was that my dad forced me to get my bachelor's degree because I don't know at that space in my life if I would have had the courage to go back to a community college, then to the master's, right? That was a pretty big commitment. And so I just felt really grateful. And I actually was bartending at the time when I made this decision, because of course, when you come back from a trip like I took, you can't go back into the corporate world because that didn't feel right. And I was helping some of the young ladies, the waitresses enroll at the community college. And one of them said to me, well, you should be the one going back to school. You, you're really good at this. And I went, oh boy. And, and that was kind of how this whole thing started. And I, I realized, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And it was just all of a sudden, it wasn't about the money. It was about how I felt. And I believe that if you do what you love, the money follows. And yeah, you, you found, it sounds like you found something that aligned well with a value that maybe at the, at the time when you're being asked all these questions, you don't even necessarily know that that value is like central to your life and it develops. And that's, that's why I, I kind of, I approach stuff with students a lot in English 100, I think, and and in personal conversations. When we get to that place where we're having one-on-one -on -one conversations or mentorship, it's a it's a lifelong process. Like like we think 
there's so often I, people feel like, I feel like people are very concerned about talking about the class with me and the class and the class is like what we're doing right now. And I look at them and I just see this person that is going to have a whole life of potential and excitement and stuff, behind, just stuff going forward. And that's, what's more important, I think. Right. And I know I'm not teaching like chem 258 or something that's like right. up in advanced highlight. So for me, my class is very much about like, what can, what are you going to, how are you going to take this into your life and be able to do what you did and, and reflect, make a change, take a leap of faith sometimes. Yeah. yeah like that's absolutely. not easy. <laughs> no, it's a scary thing. And I tell my students and Joanna, I, I don't remember if I did this in our class this fall because they don't like hearing it when I open, which I tell them because a lot of times my fall counseling 100 class is my recent high school graduates. So I tell them that you know, at this stage at 18, they're like toddlers. And, you know, of course they get very, you know, what, what, why, you know, and what I say is, is as far as adulthood is concerned, you have, there's an expectation that for an 18 year old to know what they're going to do to make these big decisions, but with, have they really been trained for that? Some have, right. But most of us aren't given the kind of guidance to the freedom to go make these decisions, right. You, you're just expected once you get to that adult age and it's scary. And so I say, you kind of, and like, but when a toddler is learning how to walk, we're so kind. We're so, oh, look, they fell. Let me pick you back up. But when you're 18, you make a mistake. Well, you're an adult now. And so we talk about this, these expectations. And so I try to shift that frame a little bit. Like, this is the time where you're falling down. Get up, but really think about why I fell. What does this mean? And what do I want from this? And, and if I can help them be a little more excited about the journey, because it's so much pressure if you're not. So if you can go, wow, I have so many opportunities. And look at it from that perspective, then it takes some of that pressure off and hopefully they enjoy some of this decision-making that is important, right? Yeah. That's awesome. So we talked a little bit about your, a lot so far about some of these specific moments for you, but I'm wondering if you could share with us a time, like, like a time where you felt that spark or that connection where, where you were owning your education, where like, this is for you. This is, uh, you felt empowered. Um, I, I'm so from, for my, well, well, to give you an example, my situation is when I started, I when I was writing papers and knew that like, I can't not turn in my best thing because for me, it was now the thing that I do, you know, like it had shifted from, this is an assignment I've been assigned to like, this is now the thing that I do. And if I, by doing it less than what I believe is okay, that says something about me because it's 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 a reflection now of my work. And I never felt that way. I was a terrible student in high school, um, a fun, fun, loving, excited student, but a terrible student. I didn't do homework. So, so when I had that moment in my community college classes where that like, I owned it, like it is now my work. Did you have a moment like that in your education? Well, and again, the whole terrible student, I think a lot of times we call ourselves that is when we don't know why we're there, we don't put the energy because we don't really know why. So I had a lot of those terrible student qualities because again, I escaped, right? So for me, I don't think I even really owned it until I was at my graduate level, because at that point, I knew no matter, I had that woman's voice in the back of my head telling me I didn't belong in education. And there was nothing that was going to stop me at that point. I wanted, I never did go back, but I wanted so bad to go back and say, by the way, <laughs> you are wrong. Yeah. And so that was one piece for me. But the other part is really early on, one of my professors, she was 82 years old teaching the class that I was in. Very impressive woman. 
and didn't even start her education until her 50s. And she was Dr. Seabird by the time I took her class, right? So she had gone on to earn her doctorate degree after starting in her 50s. But we were having a conversation and she said that I can tell you're going to be a really good counselor. And it was all I needed to hear was somebody had some faith in me. And because I graduated with honors at that point, because I was determined to not be that person before. And that's where I started to realize I was never a bad student. I had just never put the energy forth because I didn't know what I wanted. And, you know, and I, and, you know, when we're in our classes, you know, knowing your why is such a big piece when you understand why, even if you're not sure what it's going to get you in the end, because you may not know that yet. But knowing I'm here to better this or I'm here to get this out of it, I feel like that helps us stay motivated. So for me, that was kind of my aha moment. She said, OK, yes. And then the work that I had been submitting um, and I had written a paper about sleep, the, the, the power of sleep on our youth and what that does to our brain. Because, again, I was focused high school and younger at that stage. And she was so impressed and kept me in talk. And it was it was lovely. And I, yep. just, I knew what she was doing as well. Probably saw somebody who needed a little TLC. But it was lovely. <laughs> oh, I, th- I think that is incredible because it, it also touches on another core point that I share with students a lot is I find that person fine. And they, they'll find you often. You don't always get to choose that person. And sometimes you're not even looking or you don't think that that person will be your person. But that individual can be like you just touched on the power of two people to radically alter your future. And and with negative enforcement and positive reinforcement, right? And that one person was your fire to keep going because they were cruel in a sense and weren't what you needed, but gave you that push. And the other person was that like warm figure that like showed you, you belong. And I had, I think we like, all of us have one of those people. And that is, that is uh, just something I think almost universal shared across people that are through their education experience that are in the field of education to some degree, we've, we found a person like that. Um, also the way you, you were talking about kind of your, when you came back, it was in grad school and that's when you were super motivated and you felt that ownership. Then I see a similar connection to students who come back to, to our school, to Miracosta, um, maybe in their thirties, they have a kid that, and that that's their motivation, right? Like now it's like for my, my, my son, my daughter, right? And it's, so it's a different level of school, but that same, like, now I get, now I get it. Like now it's real, you know, it takes so much courage to come back. I think it takes courage at any age, honestly, but once you've been out of the system for a while and you're coming back into it, any system, it is, it's scary. And again, that might be a break from an 18 year old to a 20 year old. It might be an 18 to a 28 year old there, you know, whatever that age group is, it takes courage to come back and just from my own experiencing, know how hard it took me three years to have the courage to even start the process again. So I always try to just, you know, applaud them for that piece of it because, you know, not everyone does, right? Not everyone does. And, and just getting into my office sometimes is, is a big deal. Yeah. So yeah. hundred percent. And it, it kind of makes me think too, like our, we don't have, I think all of our students have the, have the potential to learn, obviously, right? We know that, Absolutely. but Everyone, I see a lot of students who will come in in their first semester, maybe they, maybe it doesn't work out, especially in this pandemic era we've had where it's just didn't work out now, but even two years later, a year, just a little bit of time passes and that it's just enough time for something to kind of crystallize and solidify. And that tells me it's almost all about our belief in ourselves and it's our motivation. It's so little about what you inherently are as a, like you inherently can do anything. 
in my belief as, as a student, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And once you know why, even again, you're not hundred percent sure career, all those things. But if you're like, I know if I do this, I, for me, it was escaping the marriage. So that was one why, right. But it wasn't mm-hmm. a, say, I'm going to excel. I just had to graduate. And that's how I looked at it. I wanted to get out and work. I wanted the money, but I tell my students, if you could at least have your why answer to some degree, that will at least keep you going step-by-step, you know, and yeah. So, you know, and we've talked about that figure who was your prime motivator in a negative way, but, you know, that common theme, one of the common themes for a lot of Miracostans is we had a, a wonky, bumpy path. And, and I think the path you described is the perfect, in my eyes, the perfect Miracosta path, a little bumpy, a little bit off track sometimes, but right where you needed to be and you end up where you need to go. Um, in part of that wonky path is sometimes that a class, an experience, a situation where we felt we didn't belong. We felt we were discouraged or um, discouraged from being in a class or discouraged from a role in education. Beyond that one, that situation you shared, did you have any other moments where you felt somewhat that felt not belonging in school? It felt like you didn't belong where you needed to be. Well, again, I mean, just my own undergrad experience coming to Miracosta specifically, I always had the imposter syndrome because, again, I was told I don't belong in education. And, you know, that's something I still struggle with sometimes, you know, knowing and, you know, I belong just like everyone else belongs here, right? Absolutely. Intellectually, I can say that, but there's still that little person inside of me who, you know, feels like, wow, what if they see the truth? You know, I don't belong here. And, you know, and I think we all carry some of that sometimes with us here, you know, it, you know, and being Indian, you know, all Indians are smart. That's what I was raised. With. All Indians are smart. Well, my grades didn't say that. And so therefore, well, what's wrong with you? And, you know, I had comments like that growing up. And so, you know, it, it repeats, it kind of repeats itself over and over. And what I've realized is my levels, I mean, the courage it took me to go travel and do, not everyone can do. That's a strength of mine. So where I have my strengths and where, however that lies, I can't compare myself because I tried to, and then we do this measuring. That's just crazy. Um, so yes, I don't know if I answered yeah. the question, but <laughs> absolutely you did. Twisted pathway. <laughs> I think I'm freezing a smidge. I think my internet was unstable for a second. Sorry about that. I'll have to edit that out and post, but no, you answered it. Absolutely. And I think that like, what you, what you also touched on that I saw was the different strengths that aren't always captured by a transcript that are super important for the rest of our life. Those things that we can't possibly capture in a class, in a, an assessment sometimes, in a score, that you had this other, you have a lot of things that make you good at what you do that aren't even, ref, that could never be reflected in a grade, um, but that this system this education system, not Miracosta system, the system tells us that those things are so important, those grades. And if you don't have those credentials and exactly what you need there, then you are a, somewhat of a failure in that sense. They, that's the message you hear. But this whole other side of your life is valuable, important experience that you take with you. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, here's another thing that I think is crazy in my story is that I have been laid off 13 times in my yeah. life. The right, the different jobs I've had. And I think part of that, when you're not sure what you want to do, you take these jobs and you keep going, right? And at one point, 
I was beating myself up over it because of course, you know, my goodness, I'm looking for a job again. And what I realize now, as I speak to my students, I have so much information on so many different pathways that it became my strength. So what I thought was such a horrible part of my life becomes this thing that now I can share confidently with my and comfortably with my students because there's a lot of shame that was there at the beginning, right? So not a good student being laid off, and, you know, and then I tell them, you know, I was able to land on my feet and, and, and here are some resources because I did this. So the academic counseling is so much more because I'm able to bring all these variety of life experiences. So what I thought was a failure becomes my strength. And, you know, the young lady that just left my office, she was torn between the English and the psychology. And I, I opened up with the masters and the teaching and her whole body shifted, discouraged. And I said, oh, I'm teasing you. I said, that was what was said to me. And her face lights up and we had this conversation. She left here thrilled. She had made no decision then when she walked in as far as what she's going to do. But we talked about how my pathway had been so curvy and how it's my strength. I shared that with her. And because she's comparing herself to someone else who has his master's, it's same age, right? He's got his master's, she's here. And, you know, and and we talked about the benefits of not being in that same space, having all these life experiences and it's perspective. Mm -hmm. So yes, that that, that curvy pathway can be a blessing, even though while we're going down those roads, it can be scary. And what my main connection to thinking about that is the skills that we learn as first gen community college students. And I, I think a lot of our first gen messaging is importantly directed at like, especially when it's trying to get a program started or get money, it's directed at like, this is what these students need. But And I was a first gen student, so I, I, I know that. But there's a whole other layer that is included in a lot of our program, but maybe isn't the way that we talk about it enough about like, look at what you have to offer as a first-gen student. Look at what you bring. And so my example with that is going through two-year school, two years of a bachelor's, two years of a master's, transferring, going going on to um, take take work in a PhD I didn't finish, proudly didn't finish actually now. I'm at the point where I'm saying that. Get it, yeah. it's it took a while, but that that but so some of that shame I look at it was a it was a career move, yeah. You know? But that that navigation of going through those systems, I got really, really good at being airdropped into a place, figuring out what I needed to figure out, learning the landscape, recognizing the structures, recognizing who's who, and figuring out how even like things like websites work for schools, how there's there's a very clear language of a lot of academic websites that it if you don't, if you don't necessarily like experience it a lot, it can be really confusing to figure out stuff. But I've gotten to the point now through just doing it enough and researching grad schools, I can tell you like, you how many, how name a school in, you know, Colorado, and I can find the professor that does post-colonial studies in English at there. You know what I mean? Like you can just <laughs> learn these systems and navigate. So that's a skill that is based in something that could be seen as a detriment that I didn't go four years in one school and then do an MA PhD combo at one school. And it's this quick bouncing around, but, and it was stressful at times, but it also just showed me a lot of things. And that's, that's turning our experiences into strengths. And it's a huge skill. Absolutely. And I tease my students too, when they, you know, there's so much fear. And I said, remember, and we talk about this in my class as well, fear is what keeps us alive, right? Back in the old day, you know, the, the, 
primitive times, right? That fear was to, so we didn't get eaten. And they said, so it's okay to be scared because that's what your body's way of telling you. So it's good to be, it, but again, how we perceive it and how we look at it. And it, it keeps you on your toes. And I want them to be thinking about the future. You know, I want them to be thinking, I just don't want to stop them. You know, I'll tease some of my students and say, okay, you know, I had one, he's been with me for five years, started with me in the Counseling 100. And he's so funny. He's like, he's going to see me two more times this semester before he leaves. He's, he's getting ready to transfer now. And it's been five years. He's got 115 units. And I teased him at one point saying, I'm going to push you out the door. It's time to go. <laughs> you got to go. Beside yeah. my major, I said, I'm going to cover your eyes. We're going to say any meaning because he's excellent at everything. When I first met him, it was, I'm not good enough for college. I'm not going to do this. And then when he's getting all A's, oh, I'm not smart. These are easy classes. So I asked him when I saw him a few days ago, I said, so tell me, do you still feel that way? He goes, oh, no, I'm smart. <laughs> right. It, it was his journey. And it's been a beautiful journey. Five years and the amount he has grown, he's ready to, to fly. He, he's already hoping to come back and teach here at one point now, you know, but if, if we had pushed him into a corner to make decisions when he first started, he would have he wouldn't have finished. He wasn't ready for that. And gratefully, you know, starting with my class and him and I have had this relationship where he's, you know, comes in regularly and feels safe talking to me, you know, it's, and I don't believe in forcing anyone to make a decision, right? So I, you know, we had some great conversations and it's, it's wonderful to see, you know, that he's ready now and he's going to hopefully come back and teach. And I told him, like I said, okay, I'll retire after you come back, you know, <laughs> I'll <laughs> to retire, you know, yes. so. <laughs> So it's great them just watching them grow because we we have these notions that we're supposed to know and we're not supposed to be afraid and we should be and when we put that on us that's what slows us down the most. Yep. I know, and I think it's it's kind of this is just a goofy thought I have sometimes, but like when I was in those classes and in those moments, everything I did felt the most important thing it's ever been, and it's gradually just always that you know. So I think if you if that perspective helps sometimes that like for us, we're like, oh, this is easy. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, how do you not understand? Come on. There's all this other stuff that's important. But when you're in that moment, that is the most important thing for you. Oh, and absolutely. you feel like it is, it is everything. And especially our students, if you're working, if you have kids, if you have stuff missing assignments and having, um, miscommunications, which I'm guilty of sometimes, right? Those things absolutely. do feel like everything. Um, and that's on us sometimes to do better. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Huh. Yeah. And I think, you know, we sometimes as, you know, faculty expect some grace, right? We've, oh gosh. Right. And, and <laughs> definitely extending that to our students is important as well. Yeah. Life is is hectic, especially, you know, these last years have been very, very traumatic for a lot of people transitioning back. And a lot of my students at this age are working more than they ever have in the past. And, you know, and, and I try to help them as they make their decisions with the balance. What does that even mean? You know, um, because, I, yeah, that's a lot on their plates and it is the top you know, it is so incredibly. So hopefully I, I, I try to help lighten that load a little bit in the sense of, but I don't ever want to undermine how important it is to yeah. them. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, you've been, you've seen a lot of different things in life. And I think that's uh, like, we talked about the strengths that you bring is you've had time in careers and workforce. You've been in many different careers and you've seen a lot of people in your time, had a lot of mentors and had a, had a lot of supervisors, good or bad, oh, you've yeah. been in different education systems. So I'm wondering, like, 
from all of that knowledge, what is something you see as either a problem in how we educate folks, how we talk about school or what we focus on, or something that's a problem in what's what we're we're leaving students with and they as they enter the workforce so they they leave school what's something that's an issue well i do think the pressure we put on people to make these decisions there's this notion that your major is going to determine your lifetime career yeah. and that is i mean not the case and so i mean so many of us majored in one i mean mine was communication right and here i'm in this but you know the things i have done with it weren't related necessarily to what i majored in you know, and so that is something there that I would like to kind of expand that conversation, break it down a little bit and, you know, understand that you're going to grow and that's a beautiful thing. And you're, you might change your career. You might change it a number of times before you find out what you really want. And again, that's okay. Right. Yeah. So kind of just taking some of that pressure off of our students, you know, of you have to make, you know, even this comprehensive education plan, if you don't have it by the end of that second semester, you lose your priority, right? That's a penalty. So, and if they're afraid for whatever reason to make the decision, they just don't come in because they think they should know and they don't want to talk about it because, oh my gosh, I'm the only person who doesn't know. So I tried mm -hmm. to get that message out there. You're not expected to know any of this. Our job is here to help you get you enough information so you can at least make the best decision that you can with the information you have right now. So knowing that as a system here, we can support our students by lightening that load a little bit, providing that information, supporting them, and not penalizing them for not knowing. Yeah. And as far as the workforce, I tell my students, when you graduate, go get a job. Any job. You got a degree. That's a key. Open a door. Peter looks like it wants to turn off. Go open that door and, you know, get, and once you're working and you're not worrying about school for right now, you're working for, now you can start to say, what do I like? What do I not like? What about this? And, don't, and then they're always like, what if I get stuck? And I tell them, you're the only person that can make you stuck. You're never going to get stuck in a job if you don't want to be stuck in a job. So stop thinking and worrying about that piece of it right there. If you feel stuck, then you need to know that you have to claw your way out sometimes. It's not easy to leave a job. I was fortunate. I got laid off every time. This <laughs> was made for me. I don't remember how many jobs I've left, but I know it hasn't been 13. It was very few that I made the decision to. But you know, moving on and knowing that if you take that leap of faith, like you said, Aaron, and there's so much bigger and better out there, but that, that, that confidence, that belief that it is, is what's going to get you there. Those fears, yes, they keep us alive, but they're not meant to stop us. Right. And, and so just kind of remind, like, if we could encourage them as they leave us, there are so many beautiful things out there waiting, go for it, go look and see what's out there for you. And, and, you know, in, in the money conversation, you know, there's such an emphasis on that. If you hate what you do, it doesn't matter how much money you make. Yep. You know, the first job I took, the first counseling job, it, it, it was less than half of what I was making in sales. And then I remember thinking, oh boy, what have I <laughs> You know, and it was, it was eye-opening, but I kept thinking, okay, this is definitely not my last counseling job. This is my first one. I am not going to stay with this. It was a middle school counseling position. So there was no way I was staying without. So I had to, and because I had been laid off, I knew I'm going to get another job. It's not going to just be here. So I had to keep reminding myself of it. At one point, I almost gave up being a counselor. I thought, you know, maybe this is the wrong field for me. And then I accidentally discovered Maricosta. Yeah. And, and we're glad, right? We're glad you did. Oh, I'm glad I, that you did. Thank you. Thank you. I do love what I do. I really do. I feel very grateful.
Yeah. So for a project I'm working on right now, I was looking up, um, do you know the, the organization NACE, National Association of Colleges and Employers? Okay. And they have this, these list of what they call their core competencies or competencies, I think they call them. And it's like skill, these eight skills that, that make, that they've identified as educators and employers that, that people need. And one of the big ones that I was surprised to see, actually, but it makes a lot of sense and speaks to what we're talking about, was professional and career development. Because like you've pointed out, it's not, it doesn't end at college. Like if we, like, actually, like I would say I've learned more in the four years I've been working here than I ever did in school. Like the, like the way, especially it's, it's kind of like, um. I like to think about it as like plants. I'm all about plants. If you talk to me long enough, we'll be talking about California native plants and the sages we got growing or something. But as, as plants start, you know, they're small, but there's all that potential in the seed. And as that emerges, the days get longer and the leaves grow more. So you have exponentially more ability to like do your, your, what is it? Photosynthesis, right. And grow. So at the point when you reach a career that you're really passionate about, you're primed to learn and grow more than you maybe ever have been in your life. And, and, and that to me is, is something that we need to make sure we spend time thinking about with students. And it's kind of like you said, break it down away from the major for a bit and think about like, this is your, your, your life is long, hopefully God willing, right? Your right. life will be, your life has a potential to be many things. And it doesn't have to just be this major that right now, this is an experience and it's an experience where you can gain some skills, you can grow, make some connections, but really it's what you're priming yourself for that growth that will come. Um, and and that, that's, that's like thinking about how college is just this temporary little point and it is so important, but it's, it's temporary. And it's that lifelong learning that you have. That's really going to make a difference. Absolutely. And that goes back to a little bit of what I say, you know, where once you finish, when you're out in the workforce, that's where you really are going to start thinking about what you want. You think, you know, I mean, I thought for sure my dream job was high school counseling. I started as a middle school one semester. I lasted because, oh, my goodness, the hormones. Right. And then after that, I thought, okay, well, when I get to the high school, that's where I'm going to you know, feel what I needed to feel, what I thought I was going to feel. And I thought, oh my goodness, these kids are only a little bit older than those middle school kids. And this is not what I thought. And, you know, I felt that trapped feeling of all the wrong decisions and whatnot. And it's, it's funny, but you keep growing and you keep going and you keep learning and you'll find your way. It's, it's, but, but you have to get out of the school environment because if, the, again, if you had talked to me prior, I would have, community college just didn't exist in my world even. It was just, and then teaching, you know, one of my colleagues here, you know, he was so funny. He's like, I think you're going to have to start teaching a class. You know, if you really want to get hired here, you're going to have to teach. I said, teach. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I get nervous public speaking, even though I was a communication <laughs> major, right? I finally got over my fear of public speaking though, when I started teaching. And, you know, Lise, Dr. Flocken, who runs a transfer center, was my mentor. And she says, okay, if you want to teach, let's do this, right? And it's the amount of growing that comes from that. While you're in school, though, you would, you know, I said, no way am I going to teach. There's no way I'm going to. I was closed off to these things. And once you're out in the workforce, it's amazing what what opportunities come your way and what you're going to be willing to do, especially once you start to see what you want, right? And that does take some living. 
some living. I know that, that's student. My, my dad came back to school when he was in his fifties. And then again, when he was in his sixties, he or late fifties, maybe I don't exactly know the total dates, but he was, he definitely did his associates and his bachelor's about 10 years apart, late in life and that's factory nice. worker the whole time. And that, that's living. And I see students that come in and they're at that point in life where they're coming back and they're in their thirties and they're like, I, everyone's so young. I don't know if this is for me. I'm like, no, you've got a, a wealth of experience or our students that have been in the military for years and they come um, out and um, <clears throat> I've had folks who have been worked as firefighters for 20 years and they're coming back to school and they, they, they have an kind of an ingrained assumption that they don't have that knowledge. And I'm like, oh no, you have so much more, you have more than I do, right? Like we just have a different set, but you have a wealth of experience that you've lived in your life. Yeah. I remember making the transition into education from, you know, I, I my first job out of college was with chargers. So I went to this whole sports mindset and then insurance. I did all these things and I thought, okay, I've graduated now. How do I get into education? And what I realized is everything I've ever done, this is a sales job to some degree. Am I selling one thing? Not at all. I'm selling what I hope is a, that key to helping someone do something better with their life, whatever they decide to find that better to be. But I realized is everything that I've learned in my life, I bring it with me here and I, I get to share that and whatever is appropriate for that meeting. You don't leave any of that behind. So whatever skills, whatever experiences, we take that with us and we continue to keep growing with it, right? So I tell that to my students, particularly the ones that have taken a break or have never been in school and they're you know on the older side of things. You've got this life experience. I promise you it's going to help you in the classroom. You have to just believe it. <laughs> That's the key, yep. right? having that belief, even if we're faking it, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to go, okay, I could do this. And, you know, we go with the mantras and whatever it is, it gets us to where we need to go, but it, it definitely comes in. What a great piece of advice. And I, and so the last, we're running low on our time. The, the last question I want to ask you is in my, my heart, the most important one, what do you love about your work? Oh gosh. I mean, just the young lady that left my office just right here. Now she was, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to transfer. How can I make the decision? And when she left, she's like, I'm so glad I came in here. And she was the one telling me, good luck. You've got this right. Yes. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. We have to end. You would be the kind of student that I'd like definitely keep you in. I love that. She felt not only supported, but relieved that she can continue in school and doesn't have to make a big decision right now. And it's, it can be fun. It doesn't have to be stressful and all this pressure. And we, her and I agree. We don't have to love all the things that we're learning in the classroom. You're gaining other skills. I'm not saying you're going to love every class you take. I will never say that. However, though, the whole experience can be so different if you're not trying to decide all these things that fit in these boxes that don't actually exist. So I love, love when I see somebody walk out of my office feeling relieved. That is I, you've, you've mentioned that a few times today in different contexts and, and even not in the same, the same wording, but to take that burden off of someone to help others, to let them take a breath for a second. That's amazing. I, I see a lot of alignment in your values and your experiences here in, in that answer. So I, I thank you so much for that. Um, it was great having you here. I feel like I got to know you so much better from this experience. <laughs> and that's what this is all about for me is connecting with, with people, but also sharing in our stories and hearing our stories. So thank you for sharing your story with us. And you are Mir Costa. Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought. I didn't go as nervous as I thought. So I definitely yeah. appreciate this. Awesome. 
All right, folks, thanks for joining us this semester. I've really appreciated you listening to these first few episodes. We'll be back in the summer, uh, the end of summer, for a first episode to kick us off with the new semester. We're going to have lots of new friends, lots of old friends, and hopefully, fingers crossed, a song. So we'll see you then, and thanks again for hanging on for the ride.